If you need any ideas, let me know. I'm your guy. Yeah. All right. So, hey, did you enjoy uh, last week's Vision Sunday? How many of you were here at Vision Sunday last week? Um, so glad that you made it. And uh, uh, the, uh, the 8 o'clock crowd, some of them uh, were with us. And, uh, and so it was a wonderful time together. I really feel like in, it, after uh, uh, navigating uh, forward and just we've been praying together in staff meeting and talking through where we wanted to go that I wanted to kind of extend out Vision Sunday a little bit over the next few weeks. So we're going to talk about the church I see, and this is really my perspective uh, on Lighthouse. Uh, it's, it's really the, the thing that I feel like the Lord is doing in me that I'm, I'm, I need to talk with you about who we are um, as we walk together. And so this may not be for everybody else, but it is for Lighthouse. Um, this may not be, uh, you know, for the church, uh, the wider body of Christ, the, 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 the people of God around the world, but it is for Lighthouse. So I, I want us to just kind of lean in together over the next couple of weeks and, uh, and really kind of navigate this together, okay? Hope it'll help you. Um, hope it'll give you more insight about um, what it is that God is doing here. There's this interesting passage, and I think I made reference to it the other week. It's where Jesus is dealing with uh, the rich young ruler, and he says to the rich young ruler who comes to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus says, well, uh, wh what does the law say, and how do you read it? Now, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? What does the law say? That's one thing, objectively. You know, everybody can read it for themselves, but how do you read it? That's the second part. What does the law say? How do you read it? And, and so every, every person that's ever picked up a Bible can read the text, but then how they interpret it is going to determine um, whether the, the level of results that they get, how they respond to that word. And, and so this is uh, decidedly, you just need to know, this is Pastor Ken's way of communicating what the Lord has done in my life over the last 30-some years, and, and then in culminating how I read uh, what the Lord wants to do here in this midst. And I can, can I just tell you, we're just getting started. We are just getting started. Oh, come on, you weren't excited at all about that. <laughs> Not at all. Like three people were only a little excited about that. I didn't, maybe I didn't set it up well enough for you. Anyway. So the church I see, uh, there's this old story I'm going to tell you today. There's this uh, rabbi, and he's living in Russia, and he's living in a Russian city, and he is depressed because he's looking at his life, and he's feeling like he doesn't have a whole lot to show for it. It's questioning his calling, questioning his faith, questioning, you know, whether there is a God, and, and some of us have been there. You know, we, we find ourselves in a, a difficult spot, and he's, he's trying to really ascertain what's going on, and, and his own heart is getting cold. And, and so he begins to go walking. It's in the middle of the night, and he doesn't really realize where he's going. He's just walking. He's so into his own thoughts that he walks right on to uh, a, a place that no civilians are supposed to be. He walks on to this military-held area and is surprised when a soldier steps out from the shadows with a gun and says, Who are you, and why are you here? And the rabbi just kind of shocked for a moment and said, what did you say? He said, who are you? Why are you here? And he paused and very gently he said, how much money do you make a day? The soldier thought, this is a strange question for three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he looks back at him and he tells him, he said, sir, I will pay you that amount, that same amount every day 
for the rest of your life if you will ask me those same two questions. Who are you and why are you here? So today, I want to be a Russian soldier to you and ask you, who are you and why are you here? And I don't want it to be one of these existential questions that is the great, the grand question, philosophical questions of life, uh, though it'll play into that. What I do want you to understand today is who you are as a servant leader here at Lighthouse and why are you here? Because if you understand that, then you'll be able to fully engage with what we do here in this house so that we can go together. So that we can go with understanding. So that we can go not just because this is the thing that Lighthouse does, so get, it, get your Lighthouse groove on. I, I don't believe we're all about just to get our Lighthouse groove on. I believe that God has called us as, as people of God to address him according to the word and to come before the Lord and, and with knowledge and with understanding say, I'm here doing what God has called me to do and, and through doing what he's called me to do, I discover who I am and I discover why I'm here. So I'm going to talk primarily about three things. I'm going to talk about our worship, I'm going to talk about the word, and I'm going to talk about our time at the altar at the end. Those three primary things. Now, offering is part of it. Communion is part of it. We'll do that at another time. But I want to talk about those three elements today, okay? So I want to talk to you first about worship. And you have this in your notes. But uh, I want you to uh, get, it, get a handle on this um, today. Do we need notes? We need some notes. All right. We'll get those out there. Can you listen and watch at the same time? So the, the, the church that I see is a church that understands who we are and why we're here. John chapter 4, verse 23. You can read this off the, sign, off the uh, 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 screen, can't you? Read this with me. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth, says Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the first and the last. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Do you think that if, this, if we could have put it up there, this would have been in red? Do you understand? This is as real as the Ten Commandments. This is straight from the mouth of God himself. And notice that God is not in this context saying, I want your worship. Come bring your worship to me. Come bring your songs to me. Come bring your money to me. He wants worshipers. If there's anything that we are, Lighthouse, we are a worshiping church. And we are a worshiping church not because it's the thing to do, but because we have had a revelation of the power of worship in our individual lives. We understand this. This is something the Lord has taught us all the way back into the 80s, the 1980s, I'm saying, uh, when there was a worship re revival and renewal, and God began to teach us about worship and about physical worship, about the lifting of hands, about the clapping of hands, about the bowing, to, uh, bowing on your knees 
knees and, and, and getting on your face before God. All of those physical aspects of worship are the things that God designed us to uh, bring before him. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 talks about this when it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We will do well to avoid a lot of the worship wars that are about whether it's about a hymn or a song or a spiritual song or, or what it is. If we really understand what's the foundation of worship, God is looking for worshipers. It doesn't matter what kind of music, God's looking for worshipers. God's looking for people who have hearts for him so much that they don't even care what the sound of the song is. They don't even care what the music's about. My heart is to go after God. I'm going to go after God. Why? Because worship is for God. You say, I don't like the worship. It didn't matter anyway. It's not for you. We didn't do it for you. Well, I don't like that song. That's okay. God loved it. As long as it was sung from a heart that said, God, I'm all in for you. God's looking. Uh, his, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the world, seeking those whom he may, whose hearts are whole toward him so that he may strongly support them. He's looking for people that he can support. He's looking for people who are saying, God, I'm all in. I don't like my circumstances, but for you, I am all in. I'm, I'm here. There's none of me that's separated out. I don't want this world. I want God. Jesus, I want you in my life. And when we come together in the house of the Lord, worship needs to be all about him. Why? Because it's for him. It's for him. And when we come to church, can I tell you one of the biggest challenges that, that, uh, that we encounter as people who put together the worship uh, set is to, is to not just say, oh, 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 are they going to be finicky or whatever, whatever. You know, it, you could have the best music, you could have the best worship leaders, but if people don't want to worship, it's not going to matter. And it almost feels like sometimes that, uh, that we're trying to get people to overflow when they're only half full. Because they haven't spent any time with Jesus all week long, and the only time is so you're, you're just barely getting, your, getting your, your tank half full by the time you got uh, three or four songs in. Friends, it ought not to be that way. We need to come in so ready to encounter the Lord that we've got something overflowing in our life. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together right? And when we begin to praise God, the, the psalmist also says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. You see, worship is for God, but there's a spillover. There's a spillover in our lives. Now, I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to tell you in advance that this picture is going to create some problems, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Let me get all the idolatry out of the way. There's a metaphor in this picture, okay, as a metaphor. So anybody know who the guy is? You don't even want to say his name, do you? You just Okay, so that's those of you that don't know, that's Tom Brady on the left. He's a, a quarterback that led the Patriots that Super Bowl win. Uh, somebody know what the little girl's holding up? Lombardi Trophy, right? Uh, and so he's, he's the guy that in the, in the contest won the victory, right? I'm going to show you the metaphor here in just a second. Now, who's the girl? What's her name? Vivian. 
Vivian's six years old. I didn't know that either. I had to look it up. Those are all the football stats I've got for you, by the way. I know who he is. I know who she is. That's it. That's all I know. And, uh, and it's liberating. And uh, so, so let, me, let me tell you, he, she probably never watched a game film. She probably never bench pressed a bar. She probably, you know, didn't have to put herself on some strict diet to win that victory. But she still got it. Why? Because that's her dad. And he's a conqueror. And that means she's more than a conqueror. Because she gets all the benefits. She gets all the bragging rights. Can you imagine being that little girl? <laughs> Who's your dad? Tom Brady. Ooh. For the rest of her life, what did she have to do? Nothing. <laughs> Just be born to the conqueror. You see the picture? Here, the thing I love about this picture, and this is what got my attention. Look at her reflection. When we worship, we come to the house of the Lord to worship for God, to worship God, but worship is for God. But what happens when we worship according to truth? We, were, we are worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, and the truth is Jesus is Lord. And Jesus didn't become Lord because God just decided to make him Lord. Jesus became Lord because he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus came down and sacrificed himself. He did the work, friends. He earned, it. He earned the name that he has. God exalted him because he came and he did what he was sent forth to do. He started out as the most resolute man that ever lived at 12 years old. The only words we ever hear Jesus saying as a child, I must... Be in my father's house. And he started out by saying, I must. And he ended up all those years later on the cross saying, it is finished. He started by saying, I must. And then he said, it is finished. And he won the contest. And he deserves the victory. And so he gets the victory. And so the trophy of his victory is what we look at and we see our truest reflection. I am purchased of God. I am a trophy of his grace, and so are you. To say that I'm defeated would put a blemish on the mirror finish of that trophy. I am not defeated. I cannot be defeated because that wasn't my contest. That little girl may never run a 40-yard dash. But she's still more than a conqueror. And so are you. And so when you and I come together, there needs to be this understanding that as we worship, as we worship because of his victory, we see ourselves for who we are. I don't know. I, I, I kind of was looking at her smile there a little bit and saying she's probably going to need some dental work somewhere along the line. I don't know that. I don't know that. Not picking on her, but she's sick, so she probably still got her baby, baby teeth. I don't know. But the point is, the point is she's, she's thrilled in the moment of the victory of her dad. 
And when you and I worship, we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, the, the way we understand who we are as the people of God. We are redeemed. We are bought with a price. And that was not a price that we could pay. That was a price that only he could pay. And so when we come in, it, our worship would, should reflect his victory. Are you with me? Our worship should reflect what God has done, not how our week has been. Our worship should reflect what the Word of God says in truth about who He is and what He's done on behalf of mankind. What happens many times, though, though is that we, we let our worship be determined by whatever happened in our week. Did you have a good week, a bad week, an up week, a down week? And then we worship based on how we feel, not on what He has done. Are you with me? None of you have ever done that. Worship is for God, and it's our purest passion. But let me talk to you about why we should worship when we're weak. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. First of all, can I just say about midnight? I'm three hours in. You know, I, you ain't going to catch me. Midnight, that's going to have to be a move of God to get Ken Kramer. To work. But, but Paul and Silas are down. We know the story. They're down in the, in the depths of a prison. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prison, prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Can I tell you that when you begin to extol the Lord and begin to exalt the Lord as he is worthy to be extolled and exalted, when you begin to do that, there's a shift that happens in the heavenly realm. The other prisoners were listening, but Paul and Silas were worshiping. The other prisoners were, were just bystanders. They were just uh, sampling the temperature, but Paul and Silas were setting the temperature. Are you with me? And you want to be around. When you got a bad thing going on, you want to be around some worshipers. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, I have people on speed dial that, that just always have a good word. They just always have something encouraging. I'm feeling kind of eh today, so I think I'm going to call somebody. But how do you become one of those people? That's what I would like to know. Become a worshiper. Become a worshiper. Paul and Silas had been beaten. Paul and Silas's backs were bloodied. Paul and Silas's hands and feet were in stocks. And in this moment, and can I tell you, we've had these moments here at Lighthouse. We've had these moments in worship where as we're worshiping, it, we, we went from it just being our voices to, to heavenly voices began singing in the house. I don't know what happens, but I, 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 I don't know how it happens, but I know when it happens. Does that make sense? I, I wish I could predict. I wish there was a formula for every time we could go from soul into spirit. I would just stay over here in spirit if I could. Why? Because that's when everybody's chains come off. But you know what I'm talking about. And it's worthwhile enough that even I will come back from now until Jesus comes and I will seek those moments. Why? Because they're so valuable when you get them. It's, you're not always going to feel like worshiping God. Like Paul and Silas didn't feel like worshiping God. But the authority that was released in that moment. Did you, did you see what happened? I love the dimensions here. And it, notice the first thing that happens. He said, suddenly... There was a violent earthquake. Suddenly, 
There was a violent earthquake. So the earth starts shaking because two little guys are down in a prison. Two little guys are down in a prison and they're, and they're worshiping God. And their circumstances get to start to shake. I honestly think, you know, the, the word says that uh, heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, that God started tapping his foot. And the beat got right and the earthquake happened. The foundations, this, this, is, this is the Roman prison, but the foundations shake. And then the prison doors fall off. And I get that. The prison doors, you know, get jilted because of the earthquake, right? That makes sense, right? Everything begins to shift. And the, and the, the doors come off, but then it says everybody's chains fell off. That's a miracle. Miracles happen when we worship God, even in our weakness. Let's go to the next one, though. Revelation chapter 4 tells us what happens uh, when, when uh, we're going to be gathered around the throne of God. This is a picture that John gets that's uh, probably a present, but, but definitely a future picture for us. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Notice that these are 24 elders that have been faithful in what it was they were called to do, and they've stood before the Lord, and the Lord gives them a crown. And you and I are going to have crowns when we come before the Lord. He's going to give us soul winners crowns. He's going to give us the crown of righteousness. We're going to have crowns that the Lord gives us. And when we receive our crowns, it's ours. We can wear it. How cool is that? I get to wear a crown. We used to sing about it in the old hymn. I'm going to wear a crown, right? But the, the 24 elders weren't so busy polishing their crown. Because when they got before the presence of the Lord, they took it off and they laid it at Jesus' feet. Whether you had a good week or a bad week, whether or not you feel weak or strong, worship is for God. When I'm weak, I can get strengthened by worship. When I'm strong, I can maintain my humility by taking off my crown and laying it at his feet. Why? Because Jesus Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. I don't care how powerful you get. I don't care what name you get, how many letters are next to your name. Where did you get that noggin that you could do, think all those cool thoughts and get all those letters next to your name? Well, God gave it to you. Uh, where did you get that title? How did you get promoted up to where you are? Well, the word says promotion doesn't come from the north or southeast or west. Promotion comes from the Lord. So don't get thinking so high-minded that you can't come before God and lay that crown down, right? Stay humble before the Lord. And that's part of what worship does in our midst, right? I have this next uh, little note that's just kind of the church I see. Let's, uh, let's po post that up there, the next slide. This is us. 
We are front row worshipers, not back row believers. I'm not bashing people on the back row. But this is a, this is a disposition. You know, James says it this way. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the devil does, and he shudders. It's not about believing. It's about being a worshiper. It's not about do I believe the right stuff. It's what do I do with what I believe. It's about do I pursue God? Do I have a need to pursue God? Is there a, is there a hunger in my heart to go after God? That, uh, that I would be so, uh, every day, every moment of my day, I, there, there would be a hunger rising up on the inside. God, I just want to know you more. God, I just want to pursue you. I want to be a, a part of what it is that you're doing in the earth. So let's be those front row worshipers and not simply back row believers. Now, secondly, the word is for us to strengthen us for our calling. Um, you need to know, and I need to tell you this up front, I believe every one of you are full-time ministers. Every one of you, if you know Jesus, you are a full-time minister of the gospel. You might be a teacher. Well, you are a missionary cleverly disguised as a teacher who has a congregation in front of you on a daily basis that you should pray for, that you should believe for, that you should hope and, and, and encourage and find a way to lift them out of the circumstances that they're in. Because a lot of kids have hell at home. Hello? We know that. And yet there's a teacher who's praying for them by name. Some of you are, are, uh, are in the military, and you are, you are a soldier or you are a sailor, and you are cleverly disguised. You're a missionary cleverly disguised. So, yeah, you, you, uh, you are actually a double agent because you work for father on uncle's boat. You work for father on uncle's dime, but don't forget who you work for. You have a calling. You need, to, you need to walk in there and say, you know what? You've used me long enough. Now I'm going to use you. I've got a calling to see the kingdom of God spread out around wherever I go. That's my calling. I don't care where I'm at. I don't care what, where you land me on the planet. That's my calling. And that calling is stressful. That calling will drain you. That calling will take everything out of you and more if you let it. But you have to learn how to replenish, don't you? I love this passage in Hebrews 1. It says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, all things right there, sustaining all things. If you took out all things, you could safely substitute my calling. Sustaining my calling by his powerful word. Sustaining my workplace by his powerful, sustaining my sanity by his powerful word. Sustaining my finances by his powerful word. Sustaining my family by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, when you and I recognize what it is that God has done, we'll recognize that that. The fact that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, that he has been speaking since the foundation of the world. 
that the same God who spoke and said, light be, is the same God who went to the cross on your behalf. He's the same God that takes the word of God that I'm preaching right now and makes it do something other than bore you to tears, uh, come alive on the inside of you. Jesus said, my words are our spirit in their life. So you and I have been nurtured, you know, now granted some people in our world think that, that uh, food only comes from Walmart, but can I tell you that there are farms that have to grow crops and how do they grow crops except by the sun that God spoke to years and years and years ago and it's been doing its thing ever since he spoke it and it sustains you. So indirectly, the sun sustains you. Indirectly, the Son of God sustains you by the sun in the sky. He sustains all things by the power of his word. And so when you and I need encouragement, strengthening in our calling, we got to go to the word of God. We've got to let the word get the word on the inside of us. And we have a way to do it. God's packaged it for us in a, in a book called the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Jack Hayford uh, pointed this out a number of years ago to me, and I've shared it numerous times, but I, I want you to get a, a picture of what God is doing. When the scripture says that all, all scripture is God-breathed, in other words, God is saying that the inspiration that, that is in God's word is different than any other book on the planet. The Bible is unique. It's, it has one author that, was, uh, that delivered his words through 40 different authors. The Bible's unique because it's alive. The Bible's unique because that the author, you can actually know the author, and he can explain it to you. All these thousands of years later and half a world away from the culture, and yet God's word, and why? It's because of its inspiration. It's because it is the word of God. And so what, uh, what uh, Jack Hayford taught me, he said it this way. He said, God took these 40 individuals and he, he breathed. Just like Adam had the breath of life in his nostrils, he breathed into their lives and they wrote as the Holy Spirit led them. All of them individuals, all through their own personalities, but God person by person led them to write the exact word. I'm not saying it. A lot, a lot of people get confused about this. The Bible is verbally inspired of God. The exact words that God wanted in this book, those are the words that are there. Not just God's ideas. Well, just kind of say it this way, Paul. It wasn't that way at all. Use this word, Paul. Say it this way. Say it in this tone. Say it this way. And so, so then what happens when, when I begin to study the scripture, what do I do? I look into a text and I say, Holy Spirit, help me. And I breathe in what it is that the Holy Spirit has put there for us. And if, if God's helping me, then I can go... And I can breathe that back out. Now, I don't know, I don't know why God chose preaching. I don't get this. Like, there's got to be a better way. You know, I mean, you know, digital world, why can't God just give me a download for Revelation? Right? I just plug in. All the files go in. Huh, got everything I need. But that's not the way God chooses to build faith in his people. God chooses to build faith in his people through preaching. 
Uh, Paul said in Corinthians, it's through the foolishness of preaching. And some of you would say, yeah, that's Pastor Ken. He's pretty foolish. <laughs> it's through the foolishness of preaching that God chose to save those who would believe. I don't know how this works, but something happens when, whenever I would speak a scripture or speak a word that God has anointed, and it flies through the air in sound waves and troubles the air all the way to your ear and it hits your ear and those smallest bones in your entire body are found inside your ear and they vibrate and those words make sense but something happens in the process of that that faith ignites on the inside of you that that word suddenly is not just uh, i'm not just comprehending it but i'm understanding that it's true I'm understanding that it's real, and I'm understanding that there is a realm beyond the one that I can see with my eye and touch with my hand and smell with my nose. There, there are, there's more going on, and that's because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you and I have to sustain our calling, we need the word of God. We need not just a, not just a Bible. Can you hear what I'm saying to you? We don't worship the Bible here. We worship the God of the Bible. And there is a difference. Some people are, are really all about, oh, man, I love the culture, and I love the, the formatting, and I love the, all of this kind of stuff. And, and, and at some level, there's Bible idolatry in the body of Christ. But I want to challenge you. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know the author, not just the book. We need to know the God of the Bible. And so when we come together, we need to hear that word and draw near to the Lord. I'm pressed for time, but let me get to this last scripture this morning. One of the things, the first thing we do, we worship God because worship is for God. Then we hear the word because the word is for us. But one of the most important things that we need to do is this intersection between the presence of God and the word of God. And that's when we get ourselves into the position we say, God, what do you want me to do with what you just said? It's possible to hear the word and do nothing about it. And when we do that, James says, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, he said, you don't even need a devil. There's not need of a devil for Christians who think that by hearing the word, they've done it. Because the word says you deceive yourself. See what I'm saying? You've done the devil's job. If you don't act on the word, then nobody else is going to see Jesus more clearly. Every time I come into the house of the Lord, every time I get before the word of God, Lord, show me Jesus in this text. Show me Jesus. Show me, show me who you are. Show me what you want in my life. And as I see Jesus, then I can go out and represent Jesus. I become a witness. So our witness and our works are for others to see Jesus clearly. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? Witness. You'll be my witnesses. You'll receive power. You'll have the ability to, to respond in a way that God is honored. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
This morning, I want to encourage you to stand. I don't know everybody here this morning. But one of the things I want you to understand is the way that God has made us all as human beings. Some of you that have been in the body of Christ, you would understand what I'm about to, about to share. But the Bible talks about that we are a spirit and we have a soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. Right? We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. The three things that I just addressed there actually address all three of those areas of our life. That when we come to the house of the Lord, we're asking God through worship, we're having spirit-to-spirit communication with him. That's, that's when it becomes so amazing. That's when we know we've stepped over that line into the supernatural. It's, it's, when, it's when words can be few and all you can do is say, holy, holy, holy. Holy, got no big words, got no long stanzas, got no long verses. Holy. Worship is for God. Worship is where we get our reflection of who he is and who we are in him. And then that word builds us up, builds us up, builds us up. But that's not all there is. What needs to happen is that there needs to be this prayerful connection this this sealing of a moment, this uh, this rallying around what it is that God is saying, where I can walk out of here and I can say, I've heard from God and I know what He wants me to do. I know what I have to do next. I know where I need to go now. I know who I need to call. I know who I need to make it right with. For those of you, you just need to understand this. When you come to Jesus, it's not okay to have tore up relationships anymore. Matthew 5 gives a full description. Well, I go to church, but I still hate my, I still hate that person. Jesus says it this way. Put your worship gift down. Go make it right. Then come back. Don't just go through the motions. You're deceiving yourself. That's your witness. That's your witness. Well, Jesus shed his blood. That was good enough for me, but not good enough for them. I'm good enough to come into the kingdom, but they're not. Because I can treat them like a second-class citizen. So from here on out, on Sunday mornings, I'm, I'm, I'm prepping. I'm going somewhere. Our goal depending on what the Lord does in worship. And it went a, went a little, every time we do communion, it takes about another five to 10 minutes in the service. So it's, it's kind of hard to hit this on a communion Sunday. But 11.15, I want you to come in ready at 11.15, not to like check out, but to press in and to meet with God at this altar. Now, it may not be that you, you, you feel real strongly like, oh, nothing pressing in my life right now. But can I just tell you that this altar is going to be open every Sunday morning, 1115. We're going to try to land around there so that you have time to come and encounter the Lord, meet the Lord. You don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. You don't know what your week is going to be like. Why don't you come find out? Because he might tell you something that you need to know in advance. You don't know what your kids are going to get into this week. 
better come pray. You don't, you don't know what your financial future holds. Better come and talk to the Lord. Because he is way more willing to talk than we are listen many times. And so we're going to make time at this altar where we come and we encounter the Lord and we say, Lord, change me on the inside. You know what? That's your testimony. And God's going to speak to you. God's going to do, he's going to rewrite things in family histories right here around this altar. He's going to do that. He's going to do that. Some of you come from backgrounds that are just totally, totally messed up. And you know it. And the only way you change that is to come before God. And say, Lord, change me. Change this history so that my kids don't have to repeat what I had to go through. Let the, let the ceiling of my life be the platform for their life. And Lord, I want to be that person that prays this thing through. Are you with me? And that's our witness. Those are our works. When we walk from this place, what, what our life speaks about the person of Jesus Christ. It matters not that you went to church. It only matters, did you encounter him? Did you encounter him? Did you let him change you somewhere on the inside? Did you, did you let the word of God read you? And if you'll let him do that, and you'll just let him touch you, the weight of his glory will stamp his image on you. Stop striving. Stop trying to be a better Christian. I need to be a better Christian. Just love on Jesus, would you? Let me take some pressure off you. Just love on Jesus and see what happens. Just rub up against Jesus and see what happens. He knows what the best version of you looks like. So if you'll gaze on his glory, he will put his image on you. And you won't have to strive. You'll move from a place of rest. You'll move from a place of anointing. You'll watch God kind of things begin to happen in your life. And then you'll stand back like all of us have to and say, whoo, thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Don't, you put a crown on me and I'm going to lay it at your feet. Anybody puts a crown on you, you make sure Jesus gets the glory real quick, won't you? I'm not talking about being fake. I'm just saying thank him and then say, you know what? Without Jesus, the only way I got here was Jesus. The only way I have, any, have it all together, as much as I do, and I don't have it all together, but the only way is Jesus, just Him. That's your witness. Those are your works. Lord, we just come before you today. Because more than anything else, we want to be the church that you see. When we read that book of Ephesians and it talks about you're coming back for a church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. And all of us read that and say, well, I'd really like to go to that kind of church. But Lord, you see us as that kind. And you wash us with the water by the word. And you cleanse us. And you make us your own. As we're at the altar here, some at the altar, I was reminded in the 8 o'clock, and I want to bring it up to you now, in Ephesians chapter 2. It says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. If you are a believer, you've been made alive. That means your spirit man is what connects with God. You have a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. But if you don't know Jesus, that spirit man's dark. 
Paul said in another place in Corinthians, he said, spiritually, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. The man without the spirit doesn't understand the things that God has made available to him. They seem foolishness to him. And that's because your spirit, man, has never been made alive. Jesus said, don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. Because flesh gives birth to flesh, but only the Holy Spirit gives birth to spirit. This is a work of God. It's not a work of us. If you could study it out and get it, you, you, you know, you would, you would never get it. You can't. This is a work of God. This is a work that God has to do for you. And he's done it in Christ. But you have to say, yes, I want that. Amen. Jesus, be Lord of my life. That's the only way that happens. But in that moment, some of you have been living outside. You've been attending Lighthouse, but you've been living outside the kingdom. Can I tell you, this, this is your service. This is your day. This is your moment. Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your heart today. You've stopped listening to my voice somewhere along the line in the, in the message, and the Holy Spirit's been knocking on, on the door of your heart, and he's saying, if you'll let me in, I will do a new thing. Let's bow our heads right now all over this place because I feel the Holy Spirit's just ministering to people's hearts, drawing them. He has loved you with an everlasting love yet you haven't received it. He has loved you with a desperate love and you've put your arm up in his face and said, this is as close as I want to come. Can I just tell you, just put your arm down. I say, Jesus, I want you. I want what you have for me. Some of you in this room have said, there's got to be more to life. That's because the inside of you is dark. And you've been trying to fill it up with everything that you could find. Fill it up. Work, career, title, education. None of them satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus satisfies. Count of three. Today's your day and you know it. You're ready to cross that line of faith. You're ready to say, I believe that God sent Jesus on my behalf. I believe, three, I believe God has chosen me. I believe that God sent Jesus on my behalf to take my sin. Two, I believe in the empty tomb. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You don't have to believe in a six days of creation and on the seventh day, God, uh, the Lord rested. You don't have to believe in church membership. You don't have to believe in any of those things. All you have to believe is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And by believing, you can have life in his name. One, hands up. Who's that for? Who's that for? Amen. Others this morning, you're ready to cross that line. Amen. Amen. Ready to cross that line. Amen. This service has been for you today. You're the person he saw when he was on the cross. Who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning his shame. What did he see that was joyful? He saw your hand raised today. He saw you as saying, I want you, Jesus. I want your love, Jesus. I want you in my life, Jesus. And he said, I have prepared a place for you. 
Now with those that have their hands raised, let's all raise our hands. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you. I trust you to be my God, to be my Savior, to be my King. I turn from my past and I say you are my future. I want to walk with you all the days of my life. You are the resurrected Son of the living God and you have made a way for me. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. In your name I pray. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. 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 God's doing a work. He's turning the lights on on the inside. The Bible says that God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. A lot of your questions just got answered. He's changing you on the inside right now. He's changing you on the inside. That's what you want. Praise God. We're just getting started. You know, the beautiful thing about the Lord is it doesn't matter when you start. It only matters that you finish. Right? Praise God. Mm, Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord. Just want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or made a rededication to the Lord, whatever, that, that, that you share it with somebody. Maybe the person that brought you, maybe the person that came with you, share it with them. Um, we'll teach you. We'll teach you how to get into the Word of God so that it makes sense to you. We'll teach you how to walk. That's why we're here. That we're, we're here for one another, right? And so we don't expect you to know anything. We're going to start at, at square one. We're going to say, hey, here's the Bible. This is a Bible. And we're going to start there. We're going to help you walk. We're going to help you learn to pray. So uh, uh, let us know if that was uh, your decision, maybe for the first time or you rededicated your life. Let's walk that out together, okay? God bless you. Thanks for being here. If you're a guest with us, Inside Lighthouse is right there. We have a gift for you. Stop by there. We want to put something in your hand. And then in uh, about 10 minutes, uh, the New Friends Lunch is going to happen over in the Verge building. Uh, If you haven't been to a New Friends Lunch, it's free. Come and join us. God bless you.